All right, welcome to another edition of the DC Sports Subtle. I am Rob Woodfork. So worried about that Thursday night game, I didn't even predict anything for it. Uh, George Wallace, an actual high school kicker. Dave Preston. <laughs> What's that have to do with the Bears? It doesn't. Game? It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. And you did predict. I, well, I mean, on the air, I didn't oh. do the little preview video. Dave Preston oh. is with us. Uh, he's a damn good water boy, and actually, my dealer for my raspberry cheesecake cookies yes. from Subway. And we have our special guest, our friend Ben Raby, who's getting us ready for hockey season. I heard he is, Subway cookies. He is a uh, <laughs> they were, yes, yeah. He's a man who makes the sports room a little better, and Aww. that's a dig. Well. That's a dig at his pet peeve. If nice. uh, longtime listeners of the, room, the podcast the know, room, the room. we did that, mm. uh, you right know, back the room. worst sports cliches. Mm. And there is nothing that burns up Ben Raby worse than hearing the quarterback room. Our pal was seeing an Adam Schefter tweet about <laughs> additions to the quarterback room. <laughs> oh, he's naming names. You I wasn't even notifications about to do that. for those. Oh, that's great. That's we're going to get to the uh, Capitals in a little bit, but we're going to start with the Washington Commanders, who are just, let's just say, guys, they're a flaming hot mess these days. Um, they're going to Atlanta. One big question hanging over their heads here. What are the sa- uh, chances of salvaging the Ron Rivera era? Because, let's be frank, that Thursday night loss to the Bears was the worst loss of his four-year tenure. Given the stakes, given the platform, it was a nationally televised game on your home field, given the opponent, because that was objectively the worst team in the league coming into that week. So, on a short week, you lay that egg, and I'm just going to throw a couple stats at you here. The defense has allowed 16 plays of 25 yards or more from scrimmage, which is the most in the league. That's not good. That's not good. Chicago, again, this is an offense that was dormant going into this game, managed five of those plays on that Thursday night. Washington tied for the league in sacks with 16. That's good. They are 27th in pass rush win rate. That is bad. Uh, (laughs) Emphasis on turnovers, guys. I think that's what's kind of causing some of these plays because you saw them biting on double moves. You saw them you know, giving up the big plays, and I think they're trying to make big plays, and they're sort of overcompensating for that, and that's leading to big mistakes. George Wallace is the beat reporter for this reeling franchise. Uh, what do you think? I think you're right. <laughs> oh, my, yeah. Uh, I We were talking about that the other night. I would say you could argue that this was the worst loss that I have seen at FedEx Field. Monday Night Massacre? <clears throat> Based wow. on, yeah, but that's a, than- that was bad. But that is also a bad team. They were a bad team. The Eagle and the Eagles were good. Like they were good. This was for everything that was surrounding this team. You asked the place to be sold out. They sold it out again. You're on a short week coming off of a heck of a performance against the Eagles, a loss in overtime. And you're mm-hmm. telling everybody that you should have won that game. And you were right there. And everything's different. And then you get a team that's talking about firing their coach Friday because they're going to lose Thursday. Mm-hmm. You got the FBI raiding the defensive Not anymore. coordinators. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're just a beyond hot mess. They're not throwing a DJ Moore. Yeah. And then to come out, you're down 27-3 at halftime. That game was over at the coin flip. It really was. So that was, you could say, if not the worst, then top two, top three, on to your point of the overall circumstances in this game. Yeah. In year four. Of Ron Rivera. That's what I'm saying. In year one, that might be be excusable because of how bad bad. they were the year before. But, yes. But 
it that was bad. It felt like a regime ending loss. And yep. I, I look back to other. It was supposed I, to be a regime ending loss. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> but I mean, it, it felt like that game against Kansas City in 2013, the that's final the game other, that RG3 yeah. started, yeah. Uh, the game that was over by. <laughs> Like one thirty-five in the afternoon, and you just the Stadium only people who were at the start of the yeah, third yeah, quarter. That the only, the only people who were still there were people in the press box <laughs> yeah. looking at their watches, saying, "Can we get out of here?" Yeah. Uh, interesting thing: with there was only one penalty against the Burgundy and Gold. It's almost like the <laughs> officials at halftime's like, "Let's just get out of here as soon as we yeah. possibly can." There was uh, was it the swinging gate game yes, in yep. the Zorn era that yep. this felt like, yep. and uh, that was brought up the other those, night. Too. Those were the ones. It, it felt and. There was a game against the Giants that kind of helped seal the fate of Jay Gruden. Was that, that or was, was it a Patriots game? No, or? that was the Giants. It yeah. was the day when the Giants were resting everybody, and yes. all they had to do was literally step on the field yeah. and go to the playoffs. It felt like Cousins a game like that. choked that away. It also reminded me, in a way, of the fact that because they had this game, and who knows what the ownership is going to do. Who knows what the brain trust is going to do. But you'd think that... This game makes it impossible for them to bring Ron Rivera and various and sundry other people back next year. Who knows, you know, if uh, Biennemi uh, winds up, you know, assuming the job. But, you know, Jack Del Rio, you'd think there's no way they can bring him back unless this ownership group, the new ownership group, is worse than we think they are. But just like Carson Wentz playing and stinking up the joint against Cleveland made it impossible for Ron Rivera to bring him back because I think if – Carson Wentz hadn't played last season to end the year. Rivera could have made the case to bring him back in his mind saying, well, he was playing okay, and then he got hurt, and who knows what we'll have this year. So that loss to Cleveland, however bad it was, however the fact that he didn't know that uh, they, they could have been eliminated, he, and, and yeah. he didn't know it, you know, uh, that that made it impossible for Rivera to bring him back. I think last Thursday's loss to Chicago makes it impossible for the current ownership group to bring Ron Rivera and the coaching staff as comprised back for 2024. I mean, I would have fired Del Rio after that game. This, well, this, here's the thing. Th- yes. This team is regressing on that side of the ball. The it's, defense was supposed to carry mm-hmm. them, and the defense isn't even holding up their end of the bargain. That's the second-worst scoring defense in the league behind Denver, as and that's a team that gave up 70. So – I don't think Ron wants to start firing people now just because that would come from him. Yeah. And I think that he knows this is it. And I think he's just going to go with, he's just going to go. He's just going to just, I don't think he he and and Del Rio go back. I don't think he's going to make that change. I just don't. And I don't think Harris is going to make a change. They're going to let it play out. Their ideal situation is they let it play out here. Here's the ideal situation for Josh Harris and crew. You let it play out. They go in the tank, but your offense somewhat, performs and you can make a case for EB and how to stay together. If the offense doesn't perform, you're going to have a hard time selling the fans that EB is the next coach. Yeah. Hmm. What I wonder too, we talk about these other games, Monday night massacre, Jim Zorn's name being brought up. You're talking about things. I say peak Dan Snyder era. Uh Mm -hmm. This, the other night had a feeling for the first time this year, I would say of here we go again. Mm-hmm. Same old commanders. I'm curious when you're at the stadium the other night, George, what the atmosphere was like, fans wise, reaction wise, because it's new ownership, everything's so positive right. for a month plus, and then this feels like such a step back yeah. in terms of all that positive momentum that's been built, both on the field and especially off. Yeah, no, it was. It they were they were booing. People left early. I mean, it was booing. It wasn't. 
you know, yes, you get the sense of here we go again because it's still and then what they can point to is, you know, look, these are still Dan Snyder's crew. And that's the thing. It's going to take some time. Right. Like I saw a, a media personality in this market basically blaming this new regime saying you weren't aggressive enough to oh, start updating that. stuff. And I was just like, ah, that's a stretch for me. Yeah. It's like you can come in. You, you have to come in and assess what is good to keep and what. Yeah, absolutely needs to go. That's like why he's not going to fire Ron after it's, a week. He's not going to fire him the other night, right? It's not. Exactly. Like, and also they took control <laughs> during training camp. Yeah. So you can't fire a coach. Yeah. You can do some stuff like front office wise that yeah. makes sense, but in terms of blowing this out, like you're not going to go get Sean McVay in the middle of the off season. You're not going to go get Mike Tomlin in the middle of the off season or whoever. Like even EB, if you blow out Rivera and bump him up. You only do that if this team bottoms out. If they Correct. go into their bye week, again, they have another late bye, so it's That's in week why, 14. Yeah, exactly it. If things are a train wreck going into that yeah. and they're losing games that they should win, then you can make the case, let's blow them out now. Yeah. It gives him grace, too, because he can get a head start on getting another job like he did when he left in Carolina middle of the season. And you give EB the tryout. For four games, yeah. kind of get a sense. You could do that after the Dallas game or going into the bye. Either one, yeah. you're going to give them an, an, an extended tryout, right, which I the think Dallas is scary. Is yeah. Thanksgiving and Thursday, get a mini could, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, heck, Rivera was heading to Chicago. I had heard so many people say after <laughs> after Thursday's game, he was going to they're going to blow out Eberflus. No, I tweeted, uh, I tweeted that because that's uh, that's what happened to him in Carolina. He yeah. had a bad loss to a really bad team, Washington get, team yeah. at home. And then yeah. that led to him getting right. blown out. He loses to the Bears, and now maybe he ends up the coach of the Bears next year because there's no way Eberflus is coming no. back. And and Rivera, oh. if he's done yeah. coaching, which I think he might be, I could say you could argue him going to Chicago would be the only other place he would go to. Mm-hmm. Right, because he played there yeah. as That's you know, home his, for him. Yeah, yeah, he won a Super Bowl, the 85 coach Bears. Ditka, yeah, yeah. Coach there too, yeah. And, and quite frankly, Chicago needs a change, yeah. and I think – they, you know, to go back to the future in a sense with a guy who came up under yeah. Ditka would be good for, for that. Come in franchise. and clean a bad situation. Yeah, that's what he's doing. No, no, and 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 honestly, and I think I've said it on this podcast, Ron Rivera is a great guy to hire as your team bottomed out. You were yep. picking first overall mm-hmm. in the draft, and you bottomed out. He will get you back to respectability, and he will do so quickly. If you're asking him to win you a Super Bowl, if he's at, if you're asking him to be a consistent playoff team, mm-hmm. he's not that guy. And we have 12 years now of Ron Rivera as a head coach to back that up. And the most distinguished thing he ever did had the 15 and one Super Bowl season that ended in a really bad loss to a team that had basically the ghost of Peyton Manning <laughs> playing quarterback. <laughs> and and the other thing is. He's the only coach in NFL history to win multiple division titles with a losing record. Losing record. Not what you want to build. That's around. an achievement. It is an achievement. <laughs> Hard to do. And I, I think unfortunately for Ron Rivera, when we when things, you know, evidently end as you know most things do, Rivera the GM betrayed Rivera the head coach. Because no matter who has the title of general manager or whatever, president, pro player, guy, mm-hmm. Ron's picking these guys. Ron's mm-hmm. picking these players. He's picked the offensive line. For the last four years and he's picked the secondary for the last four years and there are two units that you cannot hide when they're extremely bad it's a bad you, you cannot 
hide a, a subpar offensive line and you can't hide a, a, a bad secondary. And last, uh, you know, this season, what they've allowed, 29 sacks and so then, far this season. And then on top of that. They're getting roasted. Your, why end. is your secondary so bad? You spent your first two picks yeah. on yeah. secondary this year, and those two guys can't see the field. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't even need the help in the secondary. You bench one guy and the, the other guy, yeah. Line. That was brought up last week. You need all this help elsewhere. And his answer saying, well, we had a lot of depth. It, you know what? The, the question was talk, talk about why the young guys are not seeing the field. Did you draft mm-hmm. him? Only Forbes, really. Mm-hmm. A couple of special teams, but other – and he said, "Well, we were, we're pretty deep at that. Okay, well then, don't you don't need to address it then. <laughs> Go address the what? spots you're not deep at. Right, exactly. And you mentioned um, the lack of takeaways. That was Mr. Forbes, right? Right, it's yeah. coming was, in, Mr. Right. Takeaway. That was the yeah. thing. Well, he's that definitely taken away. Taken away. Now he's watching him on ESPN get pancakes yeah. in in games, and then before he got benched. Uh, but, what do we think happens in Atlanta? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I don't. I Taylor was, Heineke Bowl. Well." Yeah, Desmond Ritter. The problem is they won last week. Yeah, the last second. I bet you were going to see Heineke against Washington. Yeah. But you got they're two and a half point underdogs, right? You have going two and a half. Yeah. I I I'm totally done. I have no idea what team's going to show up. Mm-hmm. It's a, Atlanta's not that great, but then again, nah. you're on the road in Atlanta. Heineke's going to you know you got the Heineke factor. He's not going to play, but he's going to be rallying the troops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, buying kicks for everybody. Yeah. They're gonna to want to win for Taylor. So what, what, what's the prediction? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lose. Yeah, I do. Give me a score. Well, it's. Uh, I mean, it'll be close. I think it'll be close. Can you imagine if they put up another performance like they did against the Bears in Atlanta? I mean, I can't. But it's very but, possible. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Twenty-three twenty Atlanta. Ooh. Be a field goal. Okay. Be a field goal. It'd be close. All right. I got twenty-two seventeen. Atlanta wins 22-17. I think the Commanders play much better than they did uh, against the Bears, but I, I just don't think – they don't have what it takes to win on the road against a very so-so Atlanta team. Here's the thing. Atlanta is uh, sneaky good on defense. They they are a top-10 defense, both in terms of scoring and in terms of yardage. Um, take from that what you will. Their offense – with all those weapons and the, of course, the reputation of Mr. FedEx, uh, already the man, one man party. Yeah, Arthur uh, Smith. Yeah, offense uh, averages only sixteen point six points per game. So if Washington's defense can't get right against them, if we see and they are putting Kyle Pitts' face on milk cartons because for such a talented guy, he is non-existent in that offense. If he gets loose on that defense and that defense doesn't get right in this game, that is a fireable offense to me. I think Atlanta, you know, we talk about Atlanta. I think they got hosed twice by the NFL schedule makers. One, they went to London, played a Jacksonville team that had been there, Mm -hmm. that that is accustomed to playing overseas. Mm -hmm. And then they came back and they didn't have a week off. Usually in the past, they've given teams a bye week after their London game. So they slept walk this past week, should have lost to Houston. Wound up uh, winning that game on, I think, a last-second field goal. Right. So I think th- this Sunday gives them a chance to have a normal week for the first time in a while. They're mm-hmm. at home, even though wa- they have a rest deficit against the Commanders because they played the previous Thursday. It wasn't a good rest deficit for the command or rest advantage for the Commanders because they had to think of that uh, loss to Chicago. Some might say the Commanders have had two weeks off, Dave. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, good point. Just, but it, it, just to. To play the way they did that night, 
Yeah. Just and this is after uh, not playing well on Alumni Homecoming Day. Oh, this God. is a team that yeah, it just you're just like, Ugh. what's your pick, Rob? I don't have any great faith in Washington, okay? But Rivera teams have a history of ripping off a four-game win streak mm. to prevent a season from getting out of control. Mm. The most logical spot for such a win streak to happen is here. So, I'm actually going to take the Commanders in this game without any great faith. I'm going to take them 21 to 20. The defense scores to take some of the heat off uh, for at least a week. So, to get so, well game. Yeah. So you're telling me I get to sing the Comic Commander song three times this no, Sunday? No, I'm telling you to never sing the Comic Commander song again. Uh. But if you must, yes. I'm here, a contrarian. Here. Let's just go crazy. 38-32 Commanders. Oh, look Whoa. at this guy. Here's Didn't even give us guy. a hockey score. Yeah. I was hoping for like 6-2. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the thing is, you will see, and we've said this a, a number of times, but I think now you will see what the team really is made of what these leaders are what these guys are because if you completely mm-hmm. go in the tank and go down to atlanta and don't show up then that's just completely embarrassing you're already embarrassed once mm-hmm. so let's see what you're actually made of if you show up and fight and i think they will i think yeah. the locker room is full of good guys I, I do think that that is true what happened thursday is inexcusable what happened thursday is on the coaching they weren't ready to play and your professionals yes you should say that they don't you don't need a grown man to, to pump you up as a professional but Look, we know how that goes. This is the NFL. They weren't ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then and if you don't need a, a coach to, you know, spur you to victory, well, why are we paying coaches then? Yeah. You know? There's that. Yeah. I mean it's right. You know, those 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 guys are drawing paychecks for a reason. No, I know. And that's to get these guys. And that actually brings up another question. Like, is there any coach on that staff that you say, you know what? He knows how to draw them up. He knows how to scheme them. Like he can take a lesser group of players and scheme it into being a good unit. And I don't know. I don't know know that they have that guy. It's not Del Rio. Ron Rivera didn't have that reputation, even as a defensive coordinator. We don't know about juries out and juries out on Eric, the enemy. So I don't see a long deliberation, a long sequestration. The enemy sort of strikes me as a coach who is better as a head coach, as a motivator, as a guy who gets you organized, mm. as a guy who sets a standard and holds guys to it. He strikes me as more of that guy than uh, I'm going to X's and O's you to death. He you know? is a very detailed yes. guy, which we've seen and learned this right. past eight months, whatever it's been. That's for sure. And he's and he gets and, and he's fiery. And he gets on there. He gets yeah. on him. Yeah. 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 So I think that's where his value is. I don't know that he's right. and again. He could be that guy. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how much of Kansas City's success was or wasn't him. Because, I mean, Kansas City's – I'm not saying that they suck by any means, but Kansas City's offense hasn't been the lights-out sort of offense that we've seen in recent years. Some True. of that is their personnel because uh-huh. they keep letting receivers leave. But you don't know how much EB contributed to that success and, or or not. Yeah. And the other thing that we're not seeing – and it's unfortunate, but – there wasn't one designed run in the second half the other night that, for Washington. But that here's was a the hell pro- of a stat. But here's the problem. <laughs> and From the middle of the second know, quarter yeah, on, they didn't run the ball. We don't know. Yeah. You're down 21-3 in Denver. You had to go to the pass. Yeah. You're down in Philly by 10 late. You had yeah. to go. And, and then last week you had to abandon it. So mm-hmm. we don't know. We haven't been able to see him do his thing. That's true. All right. So um, everybody gave a game prediction so we can get on to the ice. 
That's what Ben Raby's here for. Uh, the Washington Capitals are about to uh, open the season against the rival Pittsburgh Penguins on a Friday night, and uh, doesn't get it any better than that. So I don't know what to make of this team, Ben. I mean, well, then you got, don't have to worry about it. He's here to tell us. I know. Yeah. That's what. That's what uh, we're leaning on him for. That <laughs> hey, you know, because I mean, you I'm got gonna Alex Ovechkin. I'm, I'm going to be the at the guys. game Friday night, uh, doing updates for WTOP. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. What exactly? What do I? What do I need to keep my eyes on? What do I want to watch for on the ice uh, on opening night? Big picture. There's obviously a desire for a healthy lineup this year. Something that has been lacking over the past several years. Some continuity. The headliners. It's an aging core. We've heard that before. But they are starting the season. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, Carlson, Wilson, Kuznetsov. They're all there. The only injured players to start the season. Off-season pickup Max Pacioretty. A 30-goal scorer in years past. Somebody fans could look forward to seeing. But the headliners, the core, they're healthy. And they're back. And they're saying all the right things. Backstrom says he feels good. You know, last year was a hiccup for him. And... Coming back from the hip resurfacing surgery. So the company line is that with fewer trips to the infirmary, with a healthier lineup, they ought to be able to realize the success that they have had in the past. That said, you do wonder the injuries that have been accumulating over the past few years. How much does that have to do with the wear and tear that these players all of whom are north of 30, with the exception of Tom Wilson, who's 29. But the, the core of this team, it's an aging core. And you wonder, you know, how much that age and, again, wear and tear on their bodies, you know, leads to additional injuries as the season gets going. Actually, in terms of the matchup on Friday against uh, the Penguins, I'm noticing that the Penguins are opening the season earlier. So it'll be the Penguins' second game, whereas the Capitals, it's their opener. Is that an advantage or a disadvantage for Washington? I'm not sure necessarily, but I, I thought you were going to suggest this is the, the matchup you need the Spider-Man gift where they're pointing at each other because these are two they're teams. Old, yeah. They're very similar, and both yeah. teams missed the playoffs last year, ending long stretches. The Penguins had made the playoffs 14 years in a row. Capitals had made it nine years in a row. Two teams that have aging cores that are trying to keep that window of contention open. The, the teams themselves are very similar, and... The other thing that I think bears watching this year is that while the Capitals could be better than they were a year ago, the Penguins could be better than they were a year ago, it doesn't guarantee that either of them will get back to the postseason because there's so many other teams around them in the Eastern Conference, young teams that are on the rise, the Buffalo Sabres and Ottawa Senators, etc. There's a lot of teams in the same sort of bubble the Caps and Penguins are in trying to get back into the top eight, but those other teams are on the rise whereas the Capitals and Penguins are trying to keep their windows open and trying to continue to enjoy some success they would have had years ago. Ben, you mentioned the old core. Uh, I'm going to put Alex Ovechkin in a different category because, well, he is still 42 (laughs) goals last year. He's in pursuit of Gretzky's 894. Of the other guys who are in that north of 30 group, who do you think has the best chance to not – maybe have a glory season like you did five, yeah. six years ago, but who who has lost the least of that bunch who you think will play the best this winter? Yeah, for John the Carlson is still tremendously valuable, and that was made evident last year when he missed three months, December 23rd to March 23rd, and that coincided. For all the injuries that they dealt with last year, it was during that three months without John Carlson where the team 
really fell off the rails. And by the time he came back, they had sold off pieces at the trade deadline. They were out of playoff contention, etc. You can't underestimate the value of a number one defenseman in John Carlson. He plays all situations, penalty kill, power play, etc. So to have him back healthy, leading an improved blue line, I think is is you know, very significant for the Capitals regarding up front, the headliners. We'll see what Nicholas Backstrom has left in the tank. If he mm. could return to something close to what he was years ago, I'm not sure that that's necessarily there for him. I think the wild card in all this is Evgeny Kuznetsov, who it seems one year is terrific, the next year less so, and you never kind of know what you're going to get with number 92. So if there is somebody who still has another gear, can it be realized? I would say Kuznetsov is the one to to keep an eye on because so often as he goes, so goes the rest of the team. The coaching situation. Spencer comes over. He's former coach of the Hershey Bears. Young guy. What's he, 40? 41? 41, Youngest coach uh, in the NHL. That's the one. What, um, <laughs> you know, you go from a veteran, like from Peter Laviolette to a guy like this. They've been all over the map coaching yeah, It's all wise. cyclical. Yeah. What what do we what do we expect? How What's the relationship with the players? Yeah. Are they – Buying into him, I mean, these guys, uh, something familiar with a lot of them, I'm sure. Yep. But um, what's the dynamic like? Yeah, he's he's a ball of energy, that's for sure. I mean, that's easy to do before you have your first three game, four game, five game losing streak. Right. But, yeah. I haven't started yet. But he's bringing in uh, a lot of enthusiasm, that's for sure. Rare and to go, and a guy who has certainly earned this opportunity, paid his dues, coached for the Capitals, ECHL affiliate. That's Two rings down, and then the American Hockey League team and Hershey spent two years as an assistant in Toronto. He's checked the boxes, worked his way towards this opportunity. I think what's interesting with him, and maybe a little bit different than the outgoing Peter Laviolette, is he does have those relationships we reference. He coached in Hershey, coached a lot of the young guys on the Capitals that they're now trying to integrate. It's a little bit of a transition for the team. We talk about all those older guys, the older core, the veterans. You're trying at the same time, you don't want to break it down and rebuild. You're trying to reset and you're trying to integrate Mm -hmm. the young guys, the Connor McMichaels and the likes. And at least Spencer Carberry has those relationships with those guys. And that's what he's been successful at. He's been successful with player development and getting guys to graduate to the NHL level or up a notch. So we'll see if that rings true here. But I think he's going to be patient. I think he'll have a longer leash maybe with some of those younger players. We're going to have a leash. Okay. And you mentioned these young guys, Connor McMichael. Is this the year that he finally generates enough, yep. you know, stake to match the sizzle? Uh, also, there's uh, Matthew Phillips, all five foot seven, yeah. one hundred forty <laughs> pounds of him <laughs> on the third line, and Dylan Strome with a second season yep. in the mix. Who from may, who who of the non-stars should we keep our eyes on? Maybe making that leap towards he won't officially be a part of the court because yep. he's not. 35 years old, but still, who do we want to keep our eyes on? Yeah, I like Connor McMichael in terms of what you're inquiring about. Uh, Played 68 games with the Capitals two years ago, did so in a limited role, limited minutes. Last year, spent the bulk of the year in the American Hockey League, won a Calder Cup there, a championship with the farm team. They used him again, all situations, power play, penalty kill, big minutes. He really had, you know, if you want to call it his, uh, you know, apprenticeship in the American Hockey League, you know, going through you know, the necessary growth experience there, and, and he ought to be ready to graduate now. First-round pick years ago, there's a high ceiling. They'll put him in opportunities to succeed. He'll play with some veterans. He's been skating alongside Tom Wilson in training camp in the preseason. So I look for Connor McMichael and uh, – Dylan Strome, look, he had a really good year last year. Yeah. I actually don't know if he'll... Does he re- come back to Yeah, Earth, I don't know if he'll realize know? the same numbers yeah. he did last right. year, but 
He's somebody, if if Nick Backstrom can't realize what he wants to realize, if Evgeny Kuznetsov, again, has a subpar year based on expectations, Strom was reliable. He, he, he was able to slide in. He played alongside Ovechkin, and, and he handled that very well when the Backstroms and Kuznetsovs weren't necessarily available to do so. Going to let you finish this sentence. The Washington Capitals will make the Stanley Cup playoffs if... <laughs> If Buffalo and Ottawa aren't ready to realize their potential, that that's the thing I think people really need to be aware of. I referenced a few minutes ago, there are other teams. The competition in the Eastern Conference is very high. So besides the Capitals staying healthy and players realizing some, some past success and replicating that, I think the one thing to be aware of is there there is a good group of teams, Detroit's in there, that are pushing. They're coming. And objects in the rearview mirror, a little closer than they appear. I think folks need to really be aware of that this season. And you can't lose those games against those teams. When the Caps play in Buffalo, in Ottawa, Detroit, those are what we call auto-win games. If the Capitals want to keep their position as one of the teams in the East, they ought to win those. you got to take care of of some of that backside pressure. Not just the East, especially their division is pretty stacked. And not just because it's Ottawa. But it ought to win. Right. I, yes. like yes. I like that. I like that. Should, should this no. team be a playoff team? If everything goes well, yes, the talent's there. The talent's there. Yeah, the talent's okay. there. The talent's there. And the goaltending, which we haven't brought up, the goaltending is 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 good. The thing that, that bears keeping in mind, I think they will be better than last year. Okay. Is better than last year good going enough. to be good enough gotcha. this year? Crystal right. ball, how many goals does Alex Ovechkin have this winter? 73. Season. Oh, man. <laughs> great. Great. That takes care of everything. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah, for a guy who's never had 70. Bring him to 95 yeah. and we're done. Let's, let's score go, 73. Let's, they better be a playoff let's team. Go, yeah, right. let's, go, let's, go, let's go 40. You had 42 last year. Let's yeah. go for another. Let's go for a 14th 40-goal campaign. How's that's, that? Uh, that's, that? That's actually a good segue because I wanted us to give predictions for the Capitals this season. Mine was that Ovi scores 40 goals and the Caps miss the playoffs. None of those are bold per se, but just feels like what we're going to see this season. They're making the playoffs. You think so? They are. I think you're going to see the renewed energy. I think last year, this this team, they're not used to missing the playoffs. Yeah. This group, I mean, they should be pissed. Yeah. So get it done. I miss the good old days it's, when you could tie a, games because that it's was that my... simple. It's that simple. It They're done. ticked off that they just get it done. Just do better. They're ticked off that they missed the playoffs. Washington football hasn't <laughs> won a playoff game in uh, what is it now? Seventeen years. Uh, hey, just go get it done. Uh, what do you think, Dave? What do you I see think from that, that this year? Uh, I think Ovechkin scores forty-seven goals. I think ooh. there's a point of the season where it's like, ooh, can he score fifty this year? You know, all this, and they bring out, oh, Phil Esposito was X years old when he yeah. last scored, <laughs> and, and and they they do that. Uh, he fades near the end of the year. They uh, and I, I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I think they're they go into the final weekend needing to or the final month. Uh, of games in April, needing to you know win some games, and it, it just doesn't happen for him. Ben Raby is the host of the Capitals pre and post game shows on the Capitals radio network, so obviously you get a little uh, extra oomph with your prediction for the Capitals this season. Oh, we had Ovechkin with forty goals. Okay, so you're you're going with the forty goals, and will they make the playoffs? You you said they have the talent to do it. Do you think they pull it together and pull it off? Have him just on the outs of a wild card spot. Oh man! Well, he's what? He, then I should change mine if he knows. Why oh I? gosh, you can't change it. 
This is like when you gave two picks for the Arizona game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, do that. one of them wasn't 55 points. Yeah. Oh, wow. well, oh, if you add them up, it was pretty close <laughs> to true. 55 points. That's true. All right. Well, this was a fun episode. Uh, ben another Raby. Another fun episode. Yeah, another fun episode. They're How about that? I mean, if you tally them all up, <laughs> we have a pretty good show. Uh, ben Raby, a welcome addition to it. Uh, he is, again, the host of the Capitals pre- and post-game shows on the Capitals Radio Network. I am Rob Whitfork, signing off for George Wallace and Dave Preston. We are going to break the huddle.